to Something for the Turbo, the new weekly podcast brought to you by Unfound, the global platform for the travel-loving cyclist. Welcome to the show. Today, I'm joined by one of the most passionate cyclists and nicest people I've ever spoken to. A.D. Hill is the founder of Alp Cycles, a business he runs alongside with his wife, Shelley. They live in the Alps and they support many of the biggest cycling events that we know and love. They work closely with the Halt Route. In fact, AD is the Lantern Rouge, so you may well have seen him if you've done any of those events. They also work with the Marmot and new up-and-coming events like Ride Across Portugal. We discuss all things cycling across Europe, really. The things to look out for, the best climbs, some of the experiences you can expect, food, the accommodation, and a lot, lot more. It's a really interesting conversation we hope you enjoy it. Before we do though, if you're enjoying the podcast, please do subscribe, tell your mates, spread the word. The more people we can get on here and listening, the uh, more content we can put out. But we appreciate your support so far. And without further ado, please join me in welcoming Mr. A.D. Hill. A.D., thank you very much for joining us. How are you? It's a pleasure. I'm uh, totally fine, totally fine. Yeah, just over the weekend into Monday and uh, ready to go. Yeah. Is it warming up out there with you? Uh, we've had a couple of days on and off of like May. Normally, the weather tends to take a bit of a drop. So we've had a bit of rain um, on and off, but next sort of two weeks looking good. So that's a big positive because as soon as we came out of our confinement as such, we'd had good weather for <laughs> all the time. And then as soon as we came out, it rained for like three days straight. So that was a bit disappointing. But looking that was inevitable, right? Yeah, yeah. It was always going to happen. It was like everyone was talking to each other on WhatsApp saying, are oh, you riding? You're riding. It was Monday. And then, of course, it just rained all day. I could see people going out, and they were, people were messaging me, going, "You're riding." And I was like, "Not, I'm not going out that. I'll stay home." And I'm, not a chance. Not yeah, a chance. I'll, I'll stay home. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not that keen to get out. So, yeah, but all good. Yeah. Imagine this. This time of year is perfect. Actually, it's just well, it's probably still quite chilly. Is it over with you? Uh, but you've got mountain. You've got snow on the top of the mountains, we, and it's we, it's a, you know we call it kind of snowbank season this time of year because all the a lot of the coals are getting pushed now, snow-wise, and so of course a lot of the rides you're climbing up into the to the to the snowbanks on the side. So it's oh, it's a pretty it's a pretty special time of year, and of course it's still yeah. you know it, it's super quiet as well. So the roads are it's just good riding really, and yeah, it, the weather gets pretty warm now. I mean it's it's twenty three twenty four outside today, but when the, when the weather changes, you know it can it can drop and jump around a lot in in May. So some days, you know, the temperature drop right down. But at the moment, it's but it's 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 a it's kind of a hard time to layer clothing wise because you know you go out overdressed if you ride early and then you end up carrying it all the time you come home, which is a bit annoying. Oh, it can be like that all year round in the in the mountains, can't it? Yeah, you've always kind of got to be prepared, really. And you know, it's rare you go out. You know, if I'm going out closer to home, I might go out just jersey shorts, but normally got a gilet or or a small waterproof thrown in to get you get you out of trouble but you know most days if if it's if it's looking clear blue and i'm not going too high you know it's it's fine just uh, shorts jersey um but of course if i think this week i'll start heading up a bit higher um so it'll still be jacket weather that high um at 2000 meter plus will be jackets i think still i'm very very envious of you getting out up into the mountains but i gave i gave a good o- overview and introduction you're a man that probably for a lot of people doesn't need an introduction given that uh, you've become synonymous with uh, the Hout route and, and the Alps. But it'd be good to sort of fill no, I notorious, others in. Notorious, maybe. Sorry? Notorious. Notorious, yeah. yeah. Notorious. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, how did you end up setting Alp Cycles up? And what's the story? Have um, you always cycled? 
always since like uh started off a lot of running triathlon and my my main move to to actual road racing was i was uh in the army and okay like when it whilst i was in there i i used to run loads and then i did a bit of triathlon before i went in and then with the cycling really they introduced me to try out for the for the army cycling team um and i literally didn't even you know i could time trial pretty quick but i, I couldn't go around a bend or anything like that so <laughs> i could ride really fast in a straight line but i had no bike handling skills so they basically nurtured me taught me how to ride etc so i learned all my crafts really in the army that's awesome so you were taught me through the 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 army cycling team you sort of travel yeah. around racing all yeah. over what's yeah. what's the format it, it was um you know and these this was christ this is 20 years ago and it was really well developed then i mean there was guys in there like a lot of the lads were you know commonwealth games level riders um so the team oh, was, wow. was super you know even back then they were you know we were and i i you know imagine now i was like a like a total newbie as such like i said so i could ride quick but i couldn't i couldn't ride in a bunch i couldn't do anything so you know we had lads there who just took you to one side taught all your all your cycling craft etc was was through them really but the team was super set up you know we had proper domestics etc so you know back then i was just a kid so i was riding just domestic duties um and yeah it was we did a lot of racing and i i kind of look back now and I, i can't even really think some of the races are so hard and I, I don't even know I used to get through really to be honest <laughs> when I kind of yeah because you're so young it was just what people were kind of you know back then you didn't have any power you didn't have anything telling you what to do you know you just got in a race and you rode as hard as you could basically so yes yeah yeah and how does it work I, I always look at sports in the army it's, it's just it looks fantastic right so were you racing almost full time or do you you're still doing your day jobs with the army how, how does that work it, a lot of the like i said when i was in the team as such i wasn't i wasn't like compared with the rider i am now i wasn't wasn't experienced i didn't know what i was doing so you know i was a total newbie so you know they they just helped me loads and yeah we raced we raced weekly and everything's paid for as well so you know bikes your kit you know all your expenses to go to races etc you know we used to go to the international isle of man stuff like that and you know a lot of the top lads that I wouldn't say I was one of the top lads. So the the, the top end riders would ride full time, basically. Uh, you know that's all they do. But well, the only thing that happens is you don't, as a sports person, you, your career in a military doesn't. You don't further in your career in the military. So you, sooner or later, you have to make the choice if you want to get any further. Ah, right. Okay. That's what I was getting at. Okay. So what you went back to sort of military duties, or mm. how did it work? I was, I was still at regiment like all the time. But as I said, I wasn't really good. I wouldn't say I was full-time sports person in there, but really because I, I did a bit of everything, I'd spend my whole time at different sporting events, really. Whereas a lot a lot of the lads on the cycling team were a lot better than me. So that was their one thing. They just went everywhere riding. Whereas I do riding with them and then I do running running events, etc. So you, all sorts of different things. But yeah, it was. Yeah. It's, it's a, I don't know if it's changed now. I'd imagine, you know, this was 20 years ago and the cycling team was the most professional kind of outfit I'd ever seen. So I'd imagine 20 years on, it must be nuts now. You know, it must, they must be. Yeah. And they do the, is that, is it like a branding exercise for the army? Cause I know the rugby's big as well. The sevens team as well travels around the world. Is it like a branding for the army? Is that yeah. why they do these sort of full on sports things? Or, or 
also, you know, a lot of it outside of the races that you go to all over, it's it, it's it's very important for the for the services to against each other. So we have inter you know inter competitions between navy etc. Anyway, and it's yeah. it's a huge pride thing as well. You know, all forces want to be the best basically. So that's that's what it comes down to. You know, it's it's a branding exercise, but also they love winning. You know, that's it's. Uh, I, I remember yeah. being it like even inter regimental stuff in my core to go and race against other cores you're there to win and that's that's what they want you to do at all costs so it's it's just that competitive side of things really how long were you in the army for uh i, I was only uh, six years i was in so only really you know not not a super long time really it's long enough long long enough i, I enjoyed it while i was there and you know i, yeah. I, think, I think i learned i learned a lot so i think it helped a lot in later life for sure a lot of you know a lot of people like nowadays i know i was quite lucky while i was in well not lucky but you know there wasn't an awful lot of conflict going on as such while i was in so i was pretty lucky in that way that i had a lot of the good times but not a lot of the bad times as such so i was i was quite lucky in that way so what what year did you come out when was that i'm trying to get my bearings um i think i came out around about, about 2000 2002 something like that maybe 2003 i think so then, so then when we, when I came out, I carried on racing on the road for a couple of years, like just locally, and did a lot. I did a lot then, you know. I raced every probably three times a week. But you know, I was only I was only ever, you know, I raced E one two, but I wasn't. I'm, I, I consider myself an okay cyclist. I wouldn't. I'm not. I wasn't winning. I could get top fives, top threes, but I, you know, I couldn't mostly in crit race. Hold your own. Yeah, I could hold yeah. my own. I, I wouldn't say I was a. You kind of get to a point where you know you know you've got it or you haven't. I think is the word yeah. is the word and you know I, I was okay and I enjoyed it but I, you know there was a point where it, I think I think local racing as well it gets to the point where it's the same people week in week out and I used to get a bit you know exactly how every race is going to go and it gets a little bit dull after a while I think um so yeah and that's that's what originally that's what what brought us here really because I was you know Shelley was working a normal job we had a house and stuff and it just all got a bit a little bit boring so we thought right we're yeah. go, we're come to we're going to do a ski season that was it. So that was 05, wasn't it? You went and did a ski season. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still, even though I'd stopped riding for a bit, you know, I'd just stopped racing because I just had enough of it. And, uh, but I still brought my bike with me. <laughs> so we turned, we turned up into the, into the airport and all these little kids have got their skis and et cetera. And they're like looking at my bag and I got my cyclocross bike with me. So it was, <laughs> but you know, you think back then to even 2005, the cycling was still, people didn't ride bikes really. It was yeah. still a very niche thing. So, you know, a lot of people never, you know, even here, were just like, what is he doing? <laughs> so they just couldn't get their heads around why I'm riding my bike, you know. So I, I did take about, you know, probably most of the winter, I didn't really touch it. But of course, as soon as the sun came out in April, I'm in the mountains. It's like, what else am I going to do? You know, I'm going to go and ride up them. So that was... Um... Was it that summer, sorry, that winter, you decided that you want to stay for the summer or you just felt that this was this was home now or... It just, it just, I just, it was such a different life. I think the seasonal life, it's, you know, like with the winter seasons, it's a bit, it's like being on holiday, you know, when you're first here, it's like a, it's like a long holiday, you know, you work to, to go to the pub, don't get paid much, but they put you up, etc. So you, you just, it's like being on holiday really to do a season. Good life. Um, and it's active as well. You're not sat at a desk in, a, uh, in an office, right? It's- you know, you, we worked in chalets, so, you know, make breakfast in the morning clean up the chalet then you go skiing all day come back make dinner go to the pub go skiing all day. where did you do the season in Maryville? yeah yeah up in Maryville, yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, and that's where are you based now? So, so we're still in that area. So we're still yeah. northern out. So basically, what where where we live, uh, Brazil. So it's it is like we're southeast France, northern northern Alps. So right. we're we're now at the foot of the resorts. So so we're at the foot of the the Trois Valley, which is the it's the biggest ski resort in the world, basically. And uh, we're at the foot of there now. So what they say is, once you get old, you move off the mountain, away from all the skiing, and you move down the hill. So they call it Nappy Valley. So as soon as you have kids, you move down to Brazil because it's the only place you can grow have have kids really and live properly with with shots. What, what sort of altitude? Are you right down in the valley? Are you still slightly at altitude? No. So I my my actual house. I'm 1100 meters where I am. Oh, nice. Like where my son goes to school, he's there about 800 meters just below us. So. So it's still every day. I've still got to climb a good ten k ish to get home to my house, depending where I go. So um, yeah, we're sit, we're still we're still fairly high. But you know, this is the the first town at the bottom of the resorts that has like well, well, obviously nothing's open at the moment, but has all year round facilities. Whereas living up in the resort with children is quite hard because you know there's 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 no shops open at certain times so a bit like being in lockdown all the time that's what it's like living in a resort so it's, it's just nothing yeah. open i'm sure i'm sure many people that, that ski will be very familiar with the area from a skiing perspective but from a cycling perspective what what are the major climbs you've got in your doorstep then well obviously we've got the you've got the you know the famous ski resort roads nearby but we're, we're 10 kilometers uh, 15 kilometers from the foot of the cold of madeleine here we have the Cormier de Roseland, which has been in the tour a lot. We've got the Col de Isaron, Petit Saint Bernard. It's just cold as Sazy, cold as Aravi. You know, we're we're it's it's endless basically the the amount of climbs that that we have nearby. You know, so some of them some of them they're too big to like loop from here. So say the like the Aravi region, which is cold Aravi, cold of Colombia, etc. You you'd probably drive. For those ones, you'd have to drive, say, 30 minutes, jump out. Then you could do, you know, 120k on them and be back. Whereas from from uh, from here, they wouldn't be, they would be rideable, but it'd be like 200k as such. So probably probably not everybody's cup of tea. Um, from oh, that's amazing to have all that on your doorstep or just a short drive away. So go, going back a step, so you did you you set up Alp Cycles? What was the thinking? So you done the you done the winter. You wanted to see it for the summer. You thought cycling could be the way forward, and when did you set the business up? Um, so we came in two five, and we started dabbling with it. You know, started thinking about it more or less. We went to Chamonix for a summer, and then we started thinking about it that summer. And you know, we we set up a website, and so really two thousand and six, we started dabbling. But I'd say two thousand and seven was the year where it started. You know, people started properly coming. You know, we had some friends come and stay to try stuff out, and etc but 2007 was our first proper year with paying clients as such and you know we and your, and your timing is impeccable I, I suppose the uk is your major market for guests is it it when we actually started back then it was actually australia more than anywhere else was it yeah yeah we, we had huge yeah. you know i remember the first time we put a tour de france trip on 2007 and we took you know it doesn't sound much but in our first year we took like 25 people in on our first trip wow. and it was it but it was all australian and then in the early years, we were quite lucky. We we hooked up with a company, and they they still they still go now called Bike Style Tours, um, and they're they're one of the biggest tour operators out of Australia for for cycling, and they used to we used to work, run our Tour de France trips with them in conjunction because they basically had so many clients out of Australia, so they they were quite 
you know the guy who ran it then it's been sold now was a very very experienced in in this field and he he gave us loads of advice and helped us a lot in in the time a guy called Laurie Laurie Cranley so he he helped us he basically kept us going because you know he used to send us to the Tour de France <laughs> it was nuts back because we were just kids still really in our 20s yeah. and we were running trips for the Tour de France for like 60 odd people back then you know and when I look wow. back at it, when I look back at it now we had coaches and trailers and I, 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 our biggest trip now maybe around the, the marmots probably 40-ish i reckon this yeah. was this was in like our first couple of years and it was but you know it was that's what kept us going the the one the one big trip a year really so that was that was pretty nuts time to take but yeah, you must have learned so much as well yeah like a lot of ways you know now i'd never have a we'd never go that big again really um and we'd never you know, we used to have coaches and of course the coach is your worst nightmare because one person will be back on time, but then two people won't be back on time and then everyone's waiting. So, you know, you learned so much in those early days of how to, to run things slick. You know, that's my thing. I like things to run. I don't like people waiting around. I like everyone to, it all to be slick. As such. But, you know, it was what kept us, you know, we used to run normal camps during the week where we'd have anything from five, five to 10 people at the start. And as I said, the Tour de France, you know, this is about three years in where we were taking a lot more people. But yeah, that so it just slowly grew from there, really. And it, uh, back then as well. 14 years now. Yeah, back then, though, you know, Shelley was, it was just me. I'd drive to the airport, I'd pick the people up, I'd do all the guiding, Shelley would be in the chalet. So we'd do everything between sort of two of us, really, or maybe three at a push. Yeah, when I look back, it was nuts because we'd ride, I'd ride all day and then I'd be doing everything in the evening as well it was it was madness really <laughs> but good times exhausting times and and through that time you mentioned obviously you love running things so they they work like clockwork and they're slick i think if you speak to people that've been in your tours i think you and shelley's personality as well as a, a big draw for the outcycle experience what would you say are the sort of key distinguishing factors for an outcycles trip i i think I think a big thing for us, which, you know, I don't get me wrong. I love, I love the cycling side of it or I love guiding, et cetera. But also for us, it's hospitality that I think because we both from working with ski clients, et cetera, are from the hospitality trade as such, that side probably more important than anything else is actually the, the face to face time with clients and, and make it, you know, our, our, our whole ethos is it's a, it's kind of about being a family really. And everybody, you know, a lot of our, a lot of our clients, who've come on trips they've come uh, solo so you know they're just on their own and they come and they meet people from other trips that they've been on with us and a lot of them are friends now which is which is nuts we've even had people, we've even had people get married which is wow which, yeah which is nuts so i hope you got an invite yeah 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 we did yeah we've had two we've had two in fact two marriages since we've been running so a lot of these people have met throughout and you know the whole cycling community like yourself and like a lot of the people who be listening are in you know, it's quite a small community and everybody yeah. kind of knows everybody. But, you know, it's funny now. I'm in so many different WhatsApp groups of all people from trips and everybody's a set. But a lot of these people, and then I suddenly think, well, how do they know so-and-so? And then it's actually, they all know each other throughout cycles, which even 14 years on is probably the coolest thing ever for us, that all these people yeah, connecting. are all friends due to us, you know, which is cool. I have to say, I was commuting on the bike into London. I'm not sure I've told you this, maybe a couple of months ago. And I started chatting with a fellow who lives in Kingston and I don't know how we got into Alp Cycles, but I think he was on one of your first ever trips. Yeah, yeah. It's uh 
it's twelve bit, years ago. It's it's super bizarre sometimes because I I I don't get back to the UK loads, and we went we went to the six day a couple of years ago. I think it was yeah, yeah probably three years ago, and um, obviously a lot of cyclists going and just bumping into so many people that oh, I haven't seen them for ten years because they were coming on trips back then, and you know life changes. People have kids, people get ill, people change jobs, people move countries, but then it, we we have people and they were with us ten years ago. And you don't hear, you know, you might, you know, might be friends with them on Facebook or Instagram, but then you don't really hear from them. And then suddenly they get back in touch and they come back on a trip, which is, which is super cool um, to have people. And uh, yeah, they, it's just, that's our thing is, is trying to create, yeah, a fa- like a family and uh, the, the whole world of communities is banded around a lot now. You know, it's a bit of a niche word, I think, but it is kind of what we try I don't think we tried to do it, but it, it's what's happened. You know, we've got a community of people and anyone. But the big, the big thing is that I don't think anyone who comes as a new person, I, I, it's not like a click. You know, everybody just no, exactly accepts people. You know, we we have with Oatroot uh, the other year, we had we had people in the in the top top three, top five, and then yeah. we had we had a client Diane who's in a from Scotland who's in her sixties. She'd never done a Oatroot and. She was mostly with me most days as Lantern Rouge in the in the back, and then we're back at the tent. The guys have been in maybe two hours longer, but she's part of the part of the crew, you know. And they were so, you know, they'd all be lining up to clap Diane in every day, which is just yeah, that's pretty. You know, and so I I think a lot of the pretentiousness of cycling sometimes, I, I you know, there is a lot of that around it, and I, I you know, I don't like that really. So I it doesn't need to be that way. I agree. And I think that's testament to, to you and Shelley, but, and also the health route is, is a great environment like that as well. It's quite inclusive. Yeah. And I think um, cycling's changing though, you know, and there were, you know, when I came up through the ranks, you know, it was a very non-inclusive sport and, you know, there was always, you're not quick enough, you're not riding, etc. And I don't, I don't really ride in groups much now because we don't have that community so much in france with groups you know we have expat communities but they're you know they're only small here because it's a small area for riding when i ride them out and i just hope that that's starting to slowly slip away i think it is starting to slowly slip away and also you know you always had the i'm a mountain biker i'm a road cyclist going on when we first started kind of thing but if everyone's just bike riders now i ride bmx i ride mountain bike i ride everything and that's that's what's changing you know i think now is everybody we all flip off and do different things at different times so i think that's what's making it more the the community more acceptable of everybody which is great i think just appreciating being out on a bike is, is yeah. great and I it mean, doesn't really matter what you're wearing or what you're riding or how good you are it's just it's it's nice to see so many people starting and it's not a scary place to be i don't think anymore to learn i think i think sometimes now bike handling is the biggest thing i think we see problems with i think a lot of people jump on the bike especially coming over here into the mountains you've got it more than anything for cyclists now i think bike handling is the biggest thing my advice is you know get on a get on a mountain bike ride ride figure of eights go ride around cones and that that's the biggest thing is the fear of of cycling but if you can get those grounding skills in that because a lot of people who ride now they didn't ride as children so you know that the natural bike handling skills that you have as a kid aren't there so i think it's quite important to that's probably the most important thing, you know, over fitness and anything is actually just riding a bike a lot to get used. Yeah, exactly. And and on that note, I'm really hoping that we see another big boom in the sport, given where we are with the world at the moment. I mean, certainly the rides I've done outside, I've seen a lot more people 
sort of dusting off the old bike from the shed and getting out on the road. And it's, it's brilliant to see. And I hope that that's encouraged and people stick at it. I mean, it's nice to do when the sun's out, but hopefully that becomes a habit. And we see another big boom in the sport, not only here in the UK, but, but across the world. I know we saw that here in 2012, but it's, it's good to see. And obviously, I think off the back of that, hopefully a, a, a bigger diversity in, in clients coming out and exploring the world and to the alps and mm. to, you know anyone can do it right it's particularly with e-bikes now there's no reason that anyone who's loved cycling cannot come and do a tour without cycles i think i think we we don't have we haven't had e-bikes etc on trips because as you know with a lot of our stuff is with with the events and stuff especially especially over in france the e-bike is huge because you know like in the village i live in a lot of the people a fit healthy people but they're all in their 70s 80s ex ski instructors etc who who to ride you know to ride to the village shop where we are is a 3k descent 3k back up really so you know without e-bikes a lot of them probably wouldn't tackle that whereas right now you know they're they're you see them every day up and down on their e-bikes which is fantastic for um just for everybody really i think yeah that's nice so just going back a step how talk me through i know that you you guys do a lot of work with specific events and we'll come on to that in a minute but you also do sort of bespoke trips you mentioned people can come out on their own so with regards to the events what events do you do and how does that work is that you know groups can come join you as well as individuals Um, let's start with the events which which events are you working with at the moment so, so like obviously this year now it's all a bit up in the air but normally we we work with we're official tour operators for Etape de Tour, Le Marmot, uh, Maratona de Dolomites, or most most of the European events with Oat Route and Ride Across Portugal, which is a, a new one for us. Oh, that's that new one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, like most people know, most things have been postponed this year over to next year, um, which is a real yeah. shame. But that that's just how it is, and I think it's you know health and safety wise, it had to happen which is common sense really so it's you know it's a sad time you know right now i'd be in portugal which is a bit disappointing but yeah so so with with clients you know we have all the entries um as official tour operator we have the entries so like especially with things like Etap de tour maratona de dolomites you know that most of these events like with the maratona you have to go into a ballot to get your your um entry you have to yeah so you have to go into a ballot so we have but we we've already bought our entries or been given our entries by the company and then we can sell them a lot of times before the entries open as well but of course with ours we we sell them with a accommodation package logistics package with the entry but but anyone can come from group anyone can come okay cool and that's that's that whole bringing people together and community thing you were referring to earlier so and like I said, it you know we have you might have three people come together, you might have five people come together. Some trips you don't have anyone come together. You know you might have twenty individuals who don't know each other. It, it's totally we never know really until all, all of our clients. So a big part of it is Shelley. Really, loads of people know me, etc. But Shelley's why out cycles works as such because she's her she's very good at talking to people and beforehand you know also with trips you know we don't want people to you know we're quite happy to say this isn't the trip for you you know we're not about you know for us it's not about making money if we think they're going on a trip that won't suit them or their riding ability or etc we're happily say you know this one's not for you maybe try this come and do a weekend try this trip before you go and bite off bite off more than you can chew kind of thing that's what we don't want happening really so Shelley will talk in depth with people and I'll look at their riding stuff if they, if they want me to you know some people will just say I want to do that and that's no problem but you know we do try to 
have a bit of input to make sure they're not kind of taken on something that's that's way that will just be miserable basically it will be hard hard sometimes with some of the high route stuff and it's a lot of time put into the training etc so they've got a like with a marmot so horrific day on the bike if i'm honest um so you yeah i've not done it actually well we get you out you might still be running this year fingers crossed in september um so maybe we should we should get you over for some uh it's probably one of my favorite you know i'm biased but i think it's one of the hardest one days on a bike you could have in the mountains so so you know we we talk to people if we can to see what they've done before throwing people into the deep end as such yeah yeah i've not done it actually well we'll have to see we'll have to see how i been on that trainer jules before we uh before we make a choice oh. yeah <laughs> we need to cut the beers out now I think. yeah 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 <laughs> so that's good and how did the the hout route connection come about i think it was like actually as soon as i saw the ho route pop up I, I can't remember what year it was now it must have been 24 20 i don't know 2011 something like that i actually emailed him and said you know do you work with tour operators etc but back then it wasn't the norm as such for people to have tour operators really so they actually got back and said no we don't we don't work with tour operators so i never i didn't think much more about it and then i think it was 20 2013 or maybe 2012 or 2013 they got in touch and said uh do you want to come and ride like a three day back then they didn't have the specific three days it was only the seven so they invited me to go and ride a three day three days or one of the seven days to see what it's all about and in the me and in the meantime uh, the the lantern rouge which is the the back marker rider was a guy so we knew a few people in within hope route anyway and fergus who actually lives in brazil so like 10 minutes where my son goes to school was the working as a long Tom rouge there so of course that was another connection and now he's the hope route speaker as such so he's works for oc sport which is hope route all the time um so he was a big connection for us um that got us involved so so i went i went to ride it myself for three days it was in the, it was in the mountains i love i love the concept of it as such um but for us yeah. you know there wasn't many tour operators involved then um so straight away you know i could see because some events you go to and I can't see a way in as such a way that I can offer more than the event offers, if you understand. I, you know, I can't see a way of, of improving. I'm not saying I'm improving that event, but bringing my, my, our show as such to that event to, to offer yeah. clients a little bit more than the event can offer. So with, with Hope Root in those early days, it wasn't quite the event it is now as such, you know, some of the backup wasn't, you know, it's still amazing what they were doing for 500 odd riders, um, but it wasn't what I, I saw a few gaps and I thought, right, I can, I can come in here and bring my extras to, to the event as such without cycles. Um, so that was, that was where we, and then I think we started with it. Was it not 20? I think it must be five years now. I think maybe. You worked with them. And how the hell did you get roped into doing the Lantern Rouge? Well, Fergus, like I said, you know, he's one of my good friends here and we, we work, we've been riding together for ages. And, you know, I was at the events without cycles anyway. And he was like, do you, you know, he'd, he'd had enough by then, you know, he's a little bit older than me. <laughs> and he's, you know, he, he'd had enough of doing it as such. Over this, yeah. Yeah. And he was going into the speaking more and basically then he got offered a full-time job with the speaking, uh, with the announcing with Oak Root. Um, so he said, do you want to do it? And I was like, well, yeah, I'll give it a go. And, and yeah, we've been, I, I, I don't even know how long we've been doing it now. It's quite a few years now. I think it must be four four years, maybe. But of course now, yeah, because yeah. the back then for Ferg, it was only the two seven days, three seven days. Whereas, of course, now in Europe, we've got three days, we've got this, we've got that. So it's, it's turned into 
a lot of a lot of bike riding yeah a lot of events and you're doing all of them right so you've got the they're still doing obviously the the alps one the pyrenees the dolomites and then they've got the three day von two and the is that right yeah so like like this year if it had run i i I couldn't there was Crans Montana but I couldn't I couldn't actually do that cuz it was it was clashing with a load of other events but basically I would have done the Dolomites I would have done Oat Route 7 Oat Route Alps 7 day Oat Route Pyrenees 7 day we would have done Vontu so anything in Europe basically we 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 do but what but what we do now with the 7 day event Fergus the maniac he used to do all three weeks himself um but it just got to the point where as as a rider you were then as tired as everyone else as such so it yeah. didn't it didn't well, plus you've got guests staying with you as well right it must have been but you know what with, with that it works really well now because we have so outcycles provides again so my, my good friend who works for us all the time ben lane we do day on day off in the seven days because of course it's ah, okay. 14 days so it works really well then because it as that role you need to be fresh really to be able to help people as such and to yeah. be able to stay alert excited and have a bit of chat because otherwise you just by five days in you ended up like a zombie like all the other riders so it kind of defeated yeah. then you were just getting through the days and you couldn't really help anybody out so you know we found that day on day off works works a lot better for the, over the two seven days back to back um so that's that's what we do with those ones yeah excellent so other than the the events that you do you also do bespoke tours as well how does that structure and how can people reach out to you and what kind of things do you offer in that respect yeah we um with the bespoke stuff we we get all sorts groups men ladies men ladies together every, everything really we, we we can put fully bespoke packages together you know a lot of people come to us and they say hey they might a lot of a lot of the people who use a bespoke as well sometimes they've been on other trips with us and they like what we do so you know they come and do the bespoke they bring friends etc so you know we put a, a mountain normally you know I, I don't tend to go to places that aren't mountains as such that's 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 our thing so you know dolomites not so much we don't tend to go as far as the pyrenees really anymore because it's, it's a bit too far to go for us really because it's you know it's like 15 hours away as such so but mainly mainly alps dolomites we put packages together you know riding we sort all the hotels all the logistics you know all the feed stations etc and and you know we tailor it to the group of what exactly they want really you know what standard of accommodation um how far they want to ride etc so for us you know that that feels you know, if the calendar runs for us from sort of May through to October, that fills gaps we have in the calendar um, to, yeah. to to fit. You know, most years we have a couple of groups who come every year um, at certain times, and uh, yeah, it's it's and it, you know, for me as a as a rider, it's a different dynamic because some, like I said, some trips you've got maybe eight people who don't know each other or twelve people who don't know each other. Whereas with a lot of the bespoke stuff, you know, everyone knows each other. So it brings in a different dynamic, you know, so it's, yeah, it's, it's working with how different groups are as such. I think a lot of the bespoke groups, they want to have a bit more, it's a bit more like a holiday as such. So they just want to, you know, they want to be, they don't want to be out till six o'clock in the evening riding the bikes. They want to be back two o'clock, three o'clock and by the swimming pool, etc. So yeah, it's all different types of people really. Given, given it's been 14 years now, that I think that experience or the, the length of time you've been doing it must really help give you so many different options to people you must have a phenomenal network of accommodation chalets hotels you must know all the best bars and restaurants and that must really help you provide something that's a lot of other firms who are maybe newer or haven't had that sort of longevity in the alps give them a little bit more 
yeah i i think like places spend a lot of times a lot of time over in like outdoors area you know it's almost like a second home because it's such a cycling it's like everybody they're new to riding you know and the riding's good in that area but it's like going home almost going to outdoors it's it's really weird like every, it, the the biggest thing for me this year will be i shall go anywhere myself and all the the bike shops we've got a good friend there you know we run bike shops we've got friends who run restaurants and over the when i think about it it doesn't seem like 14 years but you've been going to these places every year the same couple of weeks you know when you're hanging out in the same bars so you just get to know people and you get to know where to take people to eat you get to know what bike shops are good you get to know what cafes are good so it's it's and and for me i'm quite a loyal i'm quite a loyal uh person as such as well so like in outdoors we have ollie and cat own cycleues which is the the shop basically if you know outdoors as soon as you ride in first bike shop on your right like best position you could get but they're just top people and for us always if our clients are in there all, all they have to say is we're without cycles, you know, and they know they're going to get great service. That's what it comes down to, really, is working with other, you know, we try to work with with good businesses. That's what we, with good partners who, who've been with us, working with us for a long time. So that's the loyalty around that's super important to me, um, is to work with good. And, and also, if, if, if there's trips, some people get in touch about bespoke stuff and I, I can't, I can't do it in my area or they want to go somewhere else. Don't, don't be frightened. You know, if people email us quite often and say, you do stuff here and i just have to say no i can't like spain or mallorca and i just don't do that area but we know people who will so we try and yeah you know we connect them and yeah connect people with with other people as well because that's it's important to us if they're new clients old clients or someone who might have been with us 10 years ago but it's looking you know we have it quite often oh i want to go to the pyrenees eh? are you doing anything down there right now i'm like no i'm not but I, i suggest these kind of people you know that's that's what we try to do as well it's just have them so you know they're having a good time. That's that's the most important thing, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I think that I know that we weren't going to talk about the current COVID situation, but one of the things I'm sure that most people listening will, will agree on is that the opportunity to to travel and ride your bike and having that taken away from you, I think there's so many of us are going to appreciate it that little bit more once we're allowed to do it again. And I think with using someone like yourselves, it just alleviates so much stress and it just creates such a a more rounded experience that you know if you've only got sort of 25 30 holiday days a year and you're going to use five of them to to go cycling the alps that's the best bang for your buck in terms of getting the best experience out of that time yeah i i think times have changed a lot and you know a lot of people their first response is oh well i can go with an airbnb come you know i can do airbnb i can do it all myself which you know you can you can do that but for what I'd say going with, with somebody like us, you, you more than being part of a community, et cetera, all, all these trips are fine if you're doing yourselves until something goes wrong, until the amount of times, and I, in, not not just with my clients, where I'm on the side of the road and, you know, I'm, say I'm driving that day, somebody has a crash, I'm there to pick them up if they're my clients, but I spend so many other times where I'm picking up other people with nothing to do with me, off the tarmac, getting an ambulance, sorting it all out, so so a lot of times with these things it's not what when it all goes right it's perfect when you go on your own but when it all goes wrong and there's no one there to help that's when it can be a real problem but i don't you know yeah i think it's beyond that as well i think it's the leveraging off your network of bike shops and restaurants and the people you know i mean i think it's it's the whole piece it's the whole experience if if you turn up yourself and your bike's broken you've got to sort it out if you turn up yourself and your bike's broken your wheel's broken your cassette your chain we're going to work 
until we have to to get it sorted out we're going to sort those we, we're going to smooth over all the little cracks to make you know it means more to me for somebody to have an amazing holiday and enjoy the experience than anything else for us that's Sunday. Yeah, that's wicked. You know, we just that's wicked. That's actually happened to me in the Alps. I arrived and my rear derailleur hanger had snapped in transit, but let's not go on to that. What what are your so obviously you've got a playground of unlimited climbs on your doorstep. What's your absolute favourite? Which is your your best climb? I, I think probably locally a lot of the climbs here I love. But with yeah. with, with clients wise, even nowadays, clients are very keen to to be on climbs. You know the big, famous kind of Tour de France climbs. Locally to us, Col de Madeleine. It's one. I think when you ride the climbs all the time, some of them you start to dislike. Cause not dislike, but you know you've hurt so bad on them that you you have bad days. And uh, the Madeleine is one climb that from our from our side. So it would be the the northern side. So you're climbing. So it, it's longer, but not quite as steep. And, and that's a hell of a climb you know it's 26k and i don't i don't think there's ever a time you're with clients and they're like oh you, you you're just pedaling up here easy there, there's never a day where you don't get to the top and you just think jesus christ you know it's like you just you're just suffering even you know yeah but pro- probably my probably one of my favorites as well called a glibier i mean it's just yeah. you know it's stunning and you know the iconic and yeah. it's beautiful up there right um, they're all beautiful yeah they're all beautiful in their own way but I think there's something about the Glibier for me that, that I think because you get to the summit as well, you know, it's a tiny summit. It's just something yeah. that makes you realise how little we are in the world, I think, when you're, when you're on the really big ones. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of the times when I'm riding for myself, you know, like today I'll go out and I'll ride on my local smaller hills. So, you know, 10, probably biggest coals, 12K, something like that. You know, so you don't, you, you know, I'm not, in the next couple of weeks, I'll go and check out the big ones. But, you know, it's not like I anymore i don't jump my bike today and think i'm going to ride at the cold of madeleine i jump my bike and ride my local climbs so as soon as you're into work mode and with clients you know sometimes it's only the second third time you might have been up there that year as such so it's always a special time when you when you're back in the big mountains you know like two thousand meter plus because it's just something yeah for me it, it just blows your mind on it that you can ride uphill for two hours it's like <laughs> it's like you know when i look back at all the people who've come through the door over the years and and i still pinch myself now because people are are coming over to just to just ride up the hills and i some days i still pinch myself and think that you know i'm doing this for a living you know and that's that's what's always kept me going is that i just love being out on the pedals really i I love i love being with people and i love also like i I love watching people some people float up the hills you know and and it's not a you know the old saying is you know you don't you don't get any better you just go faster kind of thing you know and it, it is so true you know the guy at the front in the group is going flat out but the same as the person in the rear everyone's still working as hard you know which which the mountains are a total leveler for people as such because everybody is working as hard it's just some people go faster than others which i think is is super cool you know yeah it's super cool super personal and it's like yeah, yeah. To be able to ride those iconic climbs, it's like going to play football at Wembley every day. It's not many sports that you can go and challenge yourself on the same climbs as the uh, the top pros, in uh, the same arena. Definitely, and I, I, there is something I, don't, I can't say spiritual. That sounds really weird. Um, no, it's true. In the mountains, I'm with you on that. There is, you know, in the next couple of weeks, I know there'll be times, you know, especially as you know, we've all been in your house for eight weeks. 
it, we're not going to talk about it because it's all it's everywhere at the moment. But you know, for me, I've been in my house for eight weeks, and it's probably, I'd say, one of the only times in my whole life that I haven't ridden outside in the, yeah. in twenty. 25 30 years that i i've not ridden on tarmac yeah because for you guys the the lockdown was very strict wasn't it you couldn't even you weren't literally you weren't allowed out at all no you know i didn't when it when it first you know when it first kind of happened i was like well i'm going to carry on riding I, I, yeah whatever kind of thing but then it wasn't it you know it was so strict here the police were everywhere you wouldn't have even you wouldn't have even considered it you know we we saw one guy ride his mountain bike into our the back of our village it just happened that the gendarme were riding through he was handcuffed on the bonnet within 10 minutes oh why yeah i mean i mean it, it was you you wouldn't have even considered you wouldn't have even considered to pedal Going not out. not not a chance you know and and it's not even the police you know it was was you you knew it was not a right time to ride your bike at all so you, you just didn't do it so to go out and um like i said it rained for three days obviously as soon as we came out but to be back in the mountains, and I know as soon as I get back, like this week, probably towards the end of the week, the weather's looking better. So we're we're probably be up the Loz, colder Loz this week. Oh, amazing. I'm going to put that climb in the show notes because it looks absolutely spectacular. Like, I don't want to bang on about the Loz, but it, you know, the Tour de France, I think it will go ahead this year. And I know there's a lot of speculation around it. And I know people like, shouldn't, shouldn't this, shouldn't that. But for, for France, you know, the Tour de France is, is everything, you know, it, it I think it will be a hell of a way to say we're we're coming out the other end, you know. I think with the Tour de France going ahead, if it does, you know, end yeah. of August, I think it will be a huge. Well, no, I'm not, and I'm not talking about you know even the cycling community, you know, in uh, for the people in France, you know, it's it's not just the cycling. It's beyond sport, right? It's bigger than sport. And I I think it will be a real shame. It, I I don't think they could, you know, everyone's like, well, they just announced it. There's no back into that but they, they couldn't just announce the, the dates without speaking to Macron first so I think yeah. it'd be a real push to get it to get it all moving and I, I think and I know I know there's bigger things going on we all know that but we've got to we've got to get some normality and it'll be fantastic to to see the Tour de France back on the road you know for me so and I can't um, wait to see that climb it looks yeah, yeah. amazing it would be the first time it's in the tour and and, and, and for us you know the colder laws myself personally and, and you know i've done so much i'm not not even for uh i've done so much marketing around it and not it's not it's not for out cycles that i do the marketing around the coal it's it's the fact that it, it's on my doorstep and it's 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 in it's where i live so you know i kind of feel proud of it almost yeah I, I, because also i know people will come and they ride all the other hills that i ride and they're just you know they're as good and i know and I, I just want to bring people to the area, you know. So, like, like I've done bits with you about the colder lows. We were lucky to have Cyclist Mag out last year with us. Great front cover, by the way. Yeah, Alex DeFeel and Stu Bowers. You know, we had a great couple of days. And some of his photos, yeah. just insane. Absolutely insane. And, that, yeah. to, and to watch the Tour de France go up the Maribel side, if it, fingers crossed, all goes ahead this year. It'll be a, it'll be a super cool day. I, I hope and pray. Not not from a business point of view. Just to watch them on that road will be will be a cool a cool time for for everybody. I think for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, we hope that obviously we were planning to do a trip out for it, but we will get that back in the diary in the not too distant future when we've got a bit more visibility of when we can all travel and stuff. And yeah, stuff. but I, very much look forward to getting out. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I know at the moment we we've been very lucky. You know, like I said, we didn't want to talk about stuff, but it's the elephant in the room, so you can't really not. Our client base for us has been it's been humbling how people have been who've who've paid for trips this year 
the support yeah it's been amazing really from clients which is which is uh pretty nuts really that people have been so understanding you know because everybody's in the same boat nobody knows what's going on but you know i think i think all we can be now for anybody is 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 positive for the end of 2020 and super excited about going into 21 and you know let's get on and beat this you know that's uh important i think is to is to move on yeah definitely and and look forward to new trips and i think the the, the positive response you've had from clients is again probably a absolute testament to to the trips and the tours that you do so yeah yeah that says it all, that says it all. On, on a few of the other podcasts obviously we've got listeners on here from around the world and we've had japan on here and vietnam on here but just going down into some of the details t- tell us a little bit more about some of the accommodation people can expect i know there's a, a, a variety that you can offer and also some of the food i mean what is there regionally where you're at is there a particular type of house cuisine and tell us a little bit more what what people can, can expect off the bike as well yeah so depending on on what which kind of you know a lot of the events as such we do a lot of the food support with feed stations and that during the course to, to help with riders um, and then we do a lot of our big thing is aftercare as well so if people finish events with Shelley and a few of our staff have a food stand at the end and we do all that side of things but also with the with the hotels we work with like in our area the Savoyard the hotel we have here that we work with they have a like what's called a Savoyard night which is normally tartiflette which is cheese so calorie calorie rific as such because it's like cheese potato raclette which is um all different types of meats on the table so once one once a week they have this giant and and we have a couple of bespoke groups and they always insist like this year they're coming later in the year they always insist that they must have savoyard night in the hotel because it's just like meats potato cheese everywhere so that's a big speciality in our area and it's i think i think a lot of times as well you know shelly some of the trips we run like marmot on that we we have we have the chalets and and we have staff ourselves come in and do the catering in in that situation so the food will vary on depending on who who we got in and the hotel food will be different to what what we may serve because we've we'd be more we like our big chilies and our big curries and stuff like that kind of food within our chalets big spag bowls you know more basic kind of food whereas you know the hotels a lot of them it's a little bit more fancy so yeah we we kind of cater for but, you know, with the big groups when we're in chalets, uh, Shelly, Shelly still loves to, even though she's got everything else going on, she still loves to come in. So like Von 2, fingers crossed, will run at the end of the year. And Shelly still, it's her favourite trip of the year because she runs three chalets at the same time that, on that one. So <laughs> she's just oh, spent wow. the whole, yeah, wow. yeah. So she's, she is superwoman. So she's just, it's bizarre because she just caters. She's in one, one big, we all eat in the same place. So she cooks into one big chalet and uh, she absolutely loves it yeah so food's a huge thing for, for Shelley feeding people is a massive uh, part of it yeah what are the Von 2 dates do you know what I don't know off the top of my head but that's September, end of September is it October so I think it October okay, okay. first first weekend-ish of October so you know for for this year fingers crossed it will be the first and last normally normally uh, Von 2 is the last event of the season for the of the Hope Route European season, whereas this year it will be the first. So fingers crossed it will come together because yeah. it would be it'd be a great way, you know. Again, like the Tour de France, it'd be a great way to the the Hope Route's followed by so many people from around the world, and don't know if international. I don't know by then. Hopefully, even international flights will be moving by then, and people will be able yeah. to make the make it there. 
and it's always such a great a great destination to finish in with the the von two you know everybody like like for me it's probably out of all the hope events it's probably my favorite three day i think really yeah because you imagine all, all season you know i'm riding more in the in the big mountains you know out etc and then you know von two or the provence area has got a little bit of everything you know it's got the rolling roads and you know every day we do all three sides of von two over the three days but every day you get those hours of you know smaller climbs rolling hills fast you know fast pelotons moving which which i think after being on the seven day oak routes where you're or as you know guiding where you're suffering in the hills all the time it's nice to do a bit of different riding and I to mix it up yeah yeah so i, I always yeah. i always look forward to it and i just love, i love that area anyway i you know even if it don't run i shall again like we were talking earlier we got great friends there who run we got a France bike rentals down there, good friends of ours, Jean Michel. So we always pop every year. We go and see them anyway, even if we got no trips down there. We should go and stay down there for a few days because I love the ride. Right. It? It's just a cool area, you know. Even with the kids, it's a lovely area. So it's somewhere you. I always look forward to going. Yeah, definitely. So you'll have to give me all the links of everyone we've mentioned during the chat, yeah, so I can right. put them in the show notes. Yeah, I've, I've been dropping and, uh, a few you, names there, and I've been like, I, you I, have, yeah. Give me the links as well. We'll get them in. Yeah. Yeah, I, you I'm mentioned back. looking forward as well on that on that last comment. Yeah, yeah. You said you know look, look, looking forward to getting out to, to Provence, but just looking forward to, to the end of this year and also next year. Look, I know that things are evolving day by day, week by week at the moment, and it's pretty uncertain. But that clarity will come quite quickly. What what can people do if they are desperate to get rid of the shackles and book a trip for the end of this year, or want to start planning stuff for next year? I think planning for next year now is probably quite a good thing to do mentally something to look forward to in the in the future given the uncertainty should we get people to drop you and shelly a note directly and start talking about dates and ideas what 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 are you where are you at with that that the booking thing at the moment what's the current status you know with, with my for for us we are trying to we're trying to be as positive as we can like i said for us here it's a little bit different because life's starting to like I said to you before the interview my son went back to school today um, which you know is a hugely weird time because he's been in the house for nine weeks so to drop him at school today was was super weird but stuff's got to move on so like I said earlier we're already we're putting the putting ourselves together a calendar starting towards the end of august really to try and for, for ourselves to salvage some of our year as such so some of the trips like I said Marmot's supposed to be running in September, Oat Route Von yeah. towards the end of the year. But also, if anybody's looking at bespoke, etc., just drop us an email. And um, as soon as we've got any idea, you know, the biggest thing at the moment is is just when when people can start start moving around freely again. That's our that's all we're waiting for. And I think, but anybody who's interested in anything, we've got a rough calendar coming together. So just drop us an email. Right now, we're not going to take any money off anybody or anything like that. But if you say, you know, someone say, gets in touch and says, Aid, we'd like to come these dates, we can pop them in the diary. And then when we've got an idea of stuff yeah. moving, you know, we can look at yeah. deposits and stuff then. But, you know, we're not going to be taking any money for anything at the moment. It's just hoping that things will get moving and people can start coming again. So, um, yeah, that's our, I think we got to be, everyone's got to be as positive as they can. And the tourist industry for, for myself and Shelley, we, we work all year round in the tourist industry with the skiing as well. And I'm not, not so heavily in the winter, but it's such a huge part of life for us. So it's a tough, not, not, not so much, not, not even, not even a financial thing. It's just very strange to watch you know the the ski lifts swing to a stop and everything just stopped for tourism and everywhere the uk france spain tourism is such a huge thing so it's it's super 
And I know, again, there's bigger things happening, but it's it's important that everybody, you know, I, I'm not saying people need to travel out of the UK if they want to go. It's just support support local local businesses, support. support your local businesses. You become a part of your, your local community where you live now. And just to see that all grind to a halt must be pretty difficult to, to watch firsthand. Yeah, yeah. And we all live how we live and we're, um, everybody in every situation to watch it all. When they said the ski lifts are shutting, we thought it was a joke. It's like they're not going to shut ski lifts. Really? And then it, within two days, we're panic driving people out of resort to the airport, you know. So, it, yeah, so it's a weird time. And but again, it, it, it's good to see community and people pulling together, you know, and, and trying to help each other out with things, which is, I think, in life, I think this this whole experience, I think, is a humbling experience for everyone. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think, it, ooh, you're getting me choked up here, Jules. Um, I, th- I know. Well, look, I, th- I think there are positives. There will be positives to come from it, and I think that for a lot of people, it's an opportunity to take stock and really appreciate what's important in life. And for a lot of people, that will be cycling and travel. So it will come back. And to coin a phrase from another podcast, I enjoy the Peter Crouch podcast. I'm not sure if you listen listen to that, but you we you'll be back stronger. I'm sure of that. Yeah. No, I think I think also it's made a lot of people. You know, I know people who are in touch with me who, you know, they're so busy and they're so hectic. And then for the first time in their life, they're able to ride. You know, in the UK, you're all pretty lucky and they're not lucky, but, you know, you can still ride a bit outside. And I've had people emailing me and they've lost like five, six kilograms, some 10 kilograms from because, you know, their jobs are so hectic. And then suddenly life slowed down a bit and they've been able to stay at home and they've been able to ride their bikes. And so even though it's a weird time, been some good to come from it. I totally agree. A lot of people realise that the simple things in life are important, I think. I I couldn't agree more with you, although I haven't lost any weight, annoyingly. But yeah, I I couldn't agree more with you. Well, you're going to have to get on that turbo if you're going to do the marmot. Man, I've been on the turbo. I have, but it's it's the weight. It's like a yin and yang thing. I've I've been training quite hard, but I've also... Been probably having a few too many beers in the evening. But got to get off them beers in the evening. That's a problem. I know. Well, I've got you know with a with a the five year old and a three year old. Yeah, are you having a beer? Are you, are you having a beer now? Now, if you got a five and a three year old. <laughs> yeah, bit early for that, mate. Bit early for that, but uh, won't be won't be too far away, I'm sure. Awesome, mate. It's been lovely chat. I've got a couple more questions for you that that uh, people have sent in. One is around your your on bike nutrition. I know it's becoming very important these days. Will you be reintroducing milkshakes next year? Oh Jesus Christ! No, it, that'll be Ed Lindsay. Um, and no, the the budget will definitely not stretch to milkshakes this year. Tell him, not not a chance. What's all, what's all that about? Basically, years ago, it used to be an ongoing joke because you know when you finish a ride, you can have you know a shake is good, isn't it? Like a milkshake, or yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can have a protein shake, but they reckon a milkshake is basically the same thing. So we used to have these strawberry milkshake recovery drinks, but this was like early days and they were actually really expensive and people used to absolutely hammer them. And it was just an ongoing joke then for about five years that some of the clients were like, have you got any milkshakes? And I'm like, no, you're not having any. So uh, no, the milkshakes are not coming back. We make you a smoothie instead nowadays. We're much more healthy and uh, you know, down with all that stuff now. I've got a few other questions, but to be honest with you, I think we've, we've covered most of them. It's thank you so much for, for taking the time to come and have a chat. It's been no, it's a pleasure. always a pleasure to catch up. 
for anyone that's interested, I've heard nothing but positive feedback and things about AlpCycle. So do drop Shelley and Adi a note. They'll be, as you've heard today, more than happy to help with any queries or questions that you have. And hopefully, mate, we will be out as well. Get a few unfound people to to come and visit you and get that tour rolling yeah. once again. You know, I'm very much it, looking forward it, to that. If it doesn't happen this year, next year, we're, uh, you know, we'll get on it earlier and we get it pushing. Also, you know, with the events, I'm, you know, even as, as not a, a business thing, I'm not, I'm always at events. I'm at all these events. So if you see us out on the road, you know, we're always in the vans. We've got the kit on. We've got the T-shirts on. So, you know, we love meeting new people. Go and say hi. Have a coffee. Have a chat. If you're in trouble and you need help, give us a shout. It's, it's, we're always there. And like I said, the amount of people, we got track pumps, we got this, we got that. So the amount of people I change the tires or put them a new tube in it's just what we do so if we can help out we do that's 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 the biggest thing we meet so many people during the season you know then i meet people again sometimes who they're not they're not my clients as such and they're like oh i met you so on so and so road and you blew me tire up and you know and it's just nice because that's what i love i love meeting people and riding with them talking about bikes and yeah just generally chatting and helping people out if we can so if you see us up on the climbs even at the end of this year come over and have a chat and say hi you know say hi absolutely you're a legend is there anything else any other questions that you've got or anything else you want to mention no i don't think so just you know like i said i think i think it's super important to look not just from a cycling point of view this year look to your look to your local businesses you know your local your local cafe your local you know your local bike shop and just just support just support people i think is you know more more than before you know before we're always looking for a deal we're going to go to wiggle or we're going to go wherever and i know all these businesses everyone's got to survive but the bigger companies might be able to ride it out whereas you know your local your local bike shop you know bike shops hopefully you know like we said the the bike trade bikes are selling like hotcakes at the moment so perhaps they're we're going to get another surge, which might be good for bike shops for the sake of... Yeah, I hope so. But yeah, definitely supporting local. Support your local cycling app as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Support <laughs> support, support Jules so he can come and ride the Marmot with me in September. I think that's a good one. Exactly. That's the deal. You know, I think we're all community. We just got to look after business and look after each other. I know, I know, Oh, even over here, you know, we're not supposed to... The, the riding as a group right now is not on really. And I haven't... I've only ridden on my own at the moment. So I shall start riding with people slowly over the next couple of weeks. Just, just people. We're quite lucky where we are because we... Our whole community is like 2,000 people, I think. So um, everyone we... We're quite lucky that we all know where we've been for the last eight weeks because we're all in the same village. So we shall start riding together slowly, but only twos or threes probably um, over the next couple of weeks. So if you if you get that chance and you know those that's allowed, it's a nice experience to ride with other people and uh, get out and meet people. I think that's the cool thing. Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, I will let you get out on the road and out onto the bike into the mountains. Thank you so much for taking the time. Stay in touch. We'll make sure that everyone gets in contact and uh, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Yeah, definitely. Take care all. And uh, see you at the end of the year, if not in 21. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. And more importantly, don't forget to download the Unfound app and join cyclists from around the world on the hub. We'll see you on there.